0: Okay, hey everybody. (laughs) We're working on that. I want to welcome you guys to uh, today's edition of Bible News Radio. Hey, do me a favor and share this out, would you? Because you know what? The liberal media isn't going to share this stuff with you. In fact, most of the sources coming to you today are actually from alternative media because, of course, the liberal media is not going to want you to see this stuff. And If you have a heart of compassion for your children and your grandchildren, let me just assure you that today, your heart probably will break. Just saying. It might break. Because what the enemy is doing to a generation of people is devastating. Truly devastating. So, please do me a favor and share this out. I'm going to go ahead and say hi to some of you. I see Tracy is in there and Gina's in there and Steven and Angie, Lucy. And I'm going to go ahead and share this out over here on Periscope. If you are one of my podcast listeners, I want to thank you guys also, whether you're listening on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, Anchor, Bullhorn, wherever it is. Um, Thank you for tuning in and do me a favor, send me an email or a text message. In fact, you can text me at Bible News, text the term Bible News to 33222. Uh, two, two. Once again, that's 33222. Two, two. Just text Bible News to 33222 three, two, 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 two. And, uh, and then I'll you'll be on my list. Okay, get on my list because, you know what, you're going to get my text message. You might not see me instantly on Facebook, but you will get my text messages. Oh, yes, you will. (laughs) Anyway, I forgot to send out an encouraging text message this morning, but don't worry. Some of you got the other text message. In fact, if you're on my text message list, tell me if you like that, okay? Okay. I'm going to share this out on Facebook, hey, Pastor, too. on my text message. Yeah, we are. There's an echo in the house. By the way, if you're watching on Facebook, make sure you say hi to me. Okay? Say hi to me. Go, hey, Stacy Lynn. I'm here watching you. Yeah, I am. That way I know. Okay. I'm going to say here, on air now. Okay. All right, there we go, people. All right, we're going to go ahead and mute my speaker. We're going to stop iTunes. See, in a real show with, like, producers and stuff, there's actually a whole producing room with a whole switchboard, and the whole producer gets to run all the audio and all that stuff. Me? I get to do it. And Bareface? He actually does the other stuff. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a good day. It is Tuesday here in the beautiful city of Spring Hill, Tennessee, where I am coming from. This little dinky town of approximately, I don't know, 41,000 people, give or take. And there's Flo Ann. Hi, Flo Ann. Nice to see you. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to talk about some of the the really sad transgender activism out there. I saw this. First of all, I got to give a shout out to my friend Darren. Okay. Darren is somebody who... God healed of his homosexual desires. And so he actually sta- he, he actually stays on top of all this stuff, right? As far as what's going on in the, the industry. He shared this story on his timeline on Facebook a couple of weeks or well, I don't know, maybe a week ago, two, maybe two weeks ago, I don't know. And when I saw it, I was I felt so sad. you know, I did. I felt I felt sad, I felt annoyed. Uh, the mom in me just, you know, wants to hug these children and these people that have these issues and, you know, it's, it's, it's tragic because you know what people are looking for, right? People want to be loved and they want to be accepted where they're at. <clears throat> in fact, I was talking to, uh, uh, one of my friends a couple days ago and, um, you know, as God has brought... Uh, reunification in my heart and uh, a rejoining of a relationship that I thought was lost so long ago due to spiritual abuse in the church. You know, something that uh, I have with this friend that I don't have with a lot of people, let's just be honest about that, is that they are so genuinely caring and accepting and they are non judgmental. They do not judge you. There are people who say they don't judge you, but you know that's not true. They do. And then there are people who don't have to say they don't judge you, and they don't. That makes sense? Hopefully that made sense. Uh, and, you know, so the, the way the enemy, Satan, likes to work in people's lives is by creating confusion in the mind. And yesterday, one of the things that we talked about is we talked about how um, we shouldn't be conformed to this world but rather transformed by the renewing of our mind. If the world is telling us this is how we should go, and this is how we should treat ourselves, this is what we should be focusing on, then we can know that we need to go the exact opposite direction <laughs> and go, whew, or as they used to say in theater, exit stage left, right? You know what I mean? We need to go the opposite direction. And is that easy? Uh, no, it's not. It's not. You know, it's so funny in the Christian community, and I, I love the church. That's why I do what I do. But I have to tell you, the Christian community cracks me up sometimes because you have, you know, the bumper stickers with the fish and the shark. Go against the flow, right? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. How many of you have seen these, these like little ictus fishes and and then you have the shark who's going against the flow or the Darwin thing eating the creation thing, whatever it is. But we're supposed to go against the flow as believers. We are in the world but not of the world. And there's a huge difference if you're in the world and you're, you're in the world, you're there to be a light in the world to influence people, right, for the good. To influence people, to shine the light like what Jesus did. Right? Jesus was in the world but not of the world. If there's anybody in the world that was ever in the world, but not of it, it's Yeshua, right? But so many of us are chameleon-like, and I don't know if how many of you have seen these really super cool, uh, like reptile and chameleons. They, they're they really cool, and there's some fish ones too. But if you ever get a chance to see these, these videos of these creatures that God has made that are chameleons, like some are chameleons, some are actually other type, like octopuses and stuff like that, They go and then they get next to something and they look, they blend in just like, it's like, oh my gosh, and they're, and they're hidden. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. That's not who we are. As believers, we're supposed to stick out like a sore thumb, just so you know. And I know not everybody would actually say that, but we're in the world, not of it. So because we're in the world, God put us here, right? Yeah, he did. He's like, hey, on this day, I adorned, I, uh, I, ordained you to be born. And there you were. <sighs> you know, the day your mom and dad got together, created little you. Nine months later, or in my case, eight months later, when I appeared on the planet through my mom's, you know, birthing canal. <laughs> doctor looked at me and said, Oh, look at her. She's so cute, so little. Quick, put her on an incubator so we can save her, her life. Because I was only four pounds when I was born. <clears throat> Anyway, when you came into the world, God had a purpose for you. He made you a woman, or female, rather, or he made you a male. That's it. He made male and female. God created them both. Now, in the beginning, God made man. He made Adam. He made him out of the dust of the earth. He went, (sighs) With his spirit, breathed life into the guy, and then, you know, he hung out with the animals for quite a while and found out that those animals weren't quite, you know, enough for him to have the fellowship that he needed and the companionship in life. So God put Adam under, let's say that, kind of put him to sleep a little bit. He did the first surgery, put him under, took a rib out of him decided to fashion woman out of the rib, and poof, there we were. There, you know, the woman is the crown of God's creation. We, meaning that he made us last. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. He made women last, and he made women to help men. Which is why I exist, to help men all over the world. <laughs> and my husband. Who clearly needed it more than anybody, because you know, just saying, he's my husband. <laughs> I mean that in a good way, of course. Yep. Mm. Okay. Anyway, so all that to say, you know, the, you know, people are are actually trying to make this more complicated than it is, right? The LGBT lobby, bless their little hearts, are trying to make this way more complicated. Then it is, God made male and female, he created them both, period. Now, is it true that sometimes, in very, very, super rare occasions, a baby is born with some type of deformity or something, and they, they can't tell from the genitalia if it's a girl or a boy? Yes. And very, 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 to the 10 millionth degree power cases, uh, rare cases, it happens. Okay? That's, that's true. But the truth of the matter is that I uh, have to uh, say, we can't look at that exception, but we have to look at what God did in general. And Jeannie, thank you for, Jeannie, um, is it Je- Jeannie, hi Jeannie, sorry.
1: But even in those rare circumstances, is we're talking external factors.
0: Yes, Exactly. And I want to say hi to the
1: cellular level, there's either a white chromosome or there is not.
0: Yeah. So, Advar and Gina, Percy, Pastor Garrett, Diane, Melanie, uh, everybody else that came in. Okay, thanks for coming in. Um, so, in those cases, yeah, there there's a reason, right? Okay, and anyway, there's so much more I can say about that. But what I want to do is I want to read you the story that Darren sent my way and uh, I want to thank Darren again for it, because he's awesome. He really is. God God has really laid his hand on Darren, and he's got a powerful testimony. But there is an article over here, and this is on the Huffington Post, okay? Huffington Post is not part of the vast right-wing conspiracy, like Hillary Clinton always says. <laughs> Uh, This is written by somebody named Cass Bliss, who apparently is a girl pretending to be a boy. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but let's just say it the way it is, okay? We're, We're about truth here, all right? All right, so here's the title to the article. The title is, Here's What It's Like to Get Your Period When You're Not a Woman, all right, listen up. This is the transgender pump. This is the transgender propaganda. Okay, have you ever been in a bathroom stall and needed to throw away a used tampon or pad, but realized there was nowhere to put it? Actually, no. I really have not, as a woman. Any public bathroom I've ever been in, there has always been a place to put it, because women's bathrooms come equipped with them. Just so you know. Cass writes, I have almost every single day that I have my period. Why? Because I use the men's bathroom. And why is she using the men's bathroom? Because she's identifying in her mind as a man. Sort of. And yet the problem is her body is completely female. Every cell in her body is female because that's how God created her. She writes, I am a non-binary trans menstruator, someone with a uterus that bleeds monthly, but who identifies outside of the fixed categories of male and female. Because of that, I have to navigate the challenges of getting my period every month in a world that refuses to acknowledge that not everyone who gets their period is a woman, and not every woman gets their period. Actually, the delusion here, and I don't mean this in a me way, but we're talking truth here. The truth is, she has a uterus... Men don't have uteruses, okay? Just so, just so you know, I have no male friends with a uterus. God gave this woman a uterus. She has a period because she's a woman. She's not a man. And she is having a period because she is a woman. And women have periods. Period. Period, okay? So, But, but she's saying here she's non-binary, which is not true, Okay. She is binary. She's a woman. She chooses to deny she's a woman, but she is still a woman. Her body refuses to deny it. Her body clearly is a woman because she has a uterus. Um, anyway, it goes on to say here, I figured out that I was non-binary when I was a little kid. I just didn't have the language or terminology to be able to name exactly who I was. I have very distinct memories of running around topless outside when I was five and knowing that I wasn't quite a girl, but also that I wasn't a boy either. I fell in love with the term tomboy the very first time it was ever used to describe me, and I clung onto the label like a life preserver until I turned 14, the age when it was no longer cute to shun growing into a girl. Now, this, unfortunately, is her experience, and my first question as a therapist, if she came to my office, would be, what happened to you when you were five? And who called you a tomboy? I want to know. And what did you look like at that age? What was your bonding like with your parents your whole life? And then what happened when she turned 14? I would want to know. But none of that's disclosed here. She goes on to say, but out of all the awkward moments I faced while growing into myself, I was getting my period that marked this transition the most distinctly for me. I saw my stained underwear like a bloodied flag of surrender, I was forced to fly as I left behind the freedom of childhood androgyny. As my breasts grew and my hips widened, I started feeling discomfort with my body changes, discomfort that went far beyond the standward awkwardness of adolescence. Though I now can name these increasing anxieties as dysphoria, a term used to describe the common experience trans people often feel because our bodies do not match our gender, back then All I knew was that there must be something seriously wrong with me for not wanting to become a woman. Of course, there's a lot of things not answered here. But anyway, now that I'm 25, I'm fairly comfortable in my skin, about as comfortable as someone who doesn't identify as female can be when you have two lumps of muscle and fat hanging off your chest, also known as breast people. And a gnawing feeling that everyone is analyzing you to try to figure out what category you belong in. Actually, I don't think most people are. You look like a woman. I think that's her perception of what other people see. I don't think it's anybody's perception. If you saw the picture of her, she's clearly a girl with a short haircut, okay? Uh, I never did grow out of that tomboy phase, but I I also never grew into wanting to become an actual boy, which is interesting. I'm neither, and that, that works fine with me. My ideal body is one that turns the idea for gender on its head and blends the false line between woman and man. I am happiest when I'm living in the in-between. Not really now. Really? The false line between woman and man? Really? Because uh, the overwhelming majority of the world population knows clearly that there's a huge difference between women and men. And it's generally identified at birth. When the doctor looks at the genitalia of the human being that was born and says, Mommy, Daddy, if he sees a penis, it's a boy. If he sees a vagina, it's a girl. It's pretty simple. From the beginning of time, it was either blue or pink, right? The cigars that came out way back in the however long ago it was. I mean, these gender stereotypes are there for a reason, because it's stereotypical and normal. <laughs> anyway, long story short, she goes on to write, But what does a non-binary trans person do when our period comes rolling around each month and instantly reminds us that no matter how hard we we try, much of the world will still see us as women just because we get our periods. Uh, Yeah, most of the people will in the world. will see you as a woman because you get your period. Yeah, just saying. That is reality. This isn't like some trick Trojan horse thing. This is this is actually uh, reality. In fact, I have never seen it. If anybody out there can actually send me a picture or something or show me anywhere in the men's department for medical stuff for men's monthly periods, if you can show me a man's tampon or a man's pad or a man's... Uh, Uh, cup I forgot the name it's a menstruation cup if you can show me that marketed to men specifically for men like here's your man's menstrual cup or your man tampon or your man you know thing uh, pad or your man my (laughs) doll you know for those bloating moments that you have (laughs) I would love to see it, and I will put it on this show. I'll go, oh my gosh, so-and-so somewhere, somewhere found this product marketed to men. Because here's the thing. This is what I know, right? Okay, this is what I know. If this was a genuine thing, okay, the marketing world on Wall Street and New York City and Las Vegas and, and everywhere in the world where marketing is huge would already be marketing a massive campaigns of men tampons, men pads, men menstruation cups, okay? Just so you know, because they're out for the money. That's where it's all for them. They don't care about reality. They, they want the money. Okay? All right. Anyway, um, it says here, the persistent gendered messages I re- re- regularly encountered hit me like thousands of mental slivers piercing through my skin. The feminine hygiene signs. Uh, yeah, no, feminine hygiene signs, not male hygiene signs, feminine Uh, The lack of disposal bins in men's rooms. Uh, Yeah, because uh, men don't have periods. Just so you know. The sanitized advertisements featuring thin white women preserving their femininity with dainty white pads and periwinkle blood. Yeah, that's a joke, actually. Have you ever noticed, and I, I, I say this slightly joking, but have you ever noticed on... On most uh, products, when you when you watch an advertisement for a product, have you ever noticed on feminine pad commercials and toilet paper they never actually show you the stuff that they're actually using it for? I mean, think about it. They use the little blue liquid in the pad or they'll use like a little polar bear who's wiping his butt behind a tree or whatever. <laughs> and then and then then they claim they're like, and this toilet paper is super good for your butt, you know. <laughs> Just saying. Okay? I mean, now, could you imagine, and I, I told her, us women with big, huge blood clots unite. Yeah, if you ever had massive blood flow come out of your body as a woman, can you testify how well that always pad works? I mean, seriously, here's my proof. You know what I mean? Would you want to do that on TV? Uh, yeah, I know, I'm being a little bit silly, but the, the fact of the matter is she's making a point, and I'm making a, another point, which is, uh, Yeah, women bleed, right? It's kind of what we do as women. The representation of periods in the media has never matched the reality, but that's, uh-huh. even, but that's even more true when you're a trans person just looking for something that doesn't scream. You're a W-O-M-A-N. When I run out of products, I have to go looking for a pad, a tampon, or even a cup that's not a wash in the traditionally feminine coating of pinks, purples, and flowers. Sorry, but most women I know like pink, purples, and flowers. It just makes us feel good. There's this innate sense of floral scentness, you know, cleanliness with the flowery looks of feminine protection. You know, I love it personally. You know, I love my box of always feminine protection. And I look at, I'm, I'm doing this for always because, frankly, that's what I use. Okay, just saying. You know, I love it. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's so pretty. And I want to feel pretty especially during this time when I feel like crap because I'm bleeding and I'm heavy, you know, and I'm bloating. You know, I got my breast tenderness, all that stuff that comes with being a woman, okay? Just so you know, marketing is good. The pinks, purples, and flowers rock. Who cares if you don't like it? I mean, whatever. Anyway, so she says here, I slink down under the gaze of those feminine hygiene, and that's in quotes, signs at Target, CBS, and Walgreens, and I try to grab anything, That won't make my period dysphoria worse. If you thought just having cramps and mood swings was bad, try experiencing all of that while literally having a sign hanging over your head telling everyone around you that you don't belong. Really now. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, just for a minute. Because I have a lot of compassion for this person. You might not think so. But, you know, when you speak truth to somebody who doesn't want to look at truth, it sounds like hate to them. And it's really not meant to be. She says, try experiencing all of that while literally having a sign hanging over your head, telling everyone around you that you don't belong. Okay, so what she says here is two things. She literally has a sign hanging over her head, so she would be the only person in the whole entire universe that actually is walking around with a literal sign hanging over her head. As far as I know, I don't see most people with a sign hanging over her head, it's not there. But then she says this, she says, telling everyone around you that you don't belong. So that's the issue right there. She feels like she doesn't belong because of how she feels in her body, because something happened to her when she was a little girl, that she doesn't want to deal with. Somebody somewhere told her that she doesn't belong. And so what she does is puts this on the whole rest of the world and is trying to follow the the typical transgender uh, lobbying points that is trying to make the rest of us feel shame. If we go back to our study in the Marketing of Homosexuality to America, What they are trying to do here is they're trying to create this discomfort that you have, a normal discomfort to somebody who decides that they they are not what God created them to be. So you have a normal reaction to this story. And I'm going to show you a couple other stories during the show. But you have a normal, God-given reaction to this story. Her emotive argument, not based on science, logic, or reason is what we're listening to here, okay? Don't miss that, because that's very important, especially in the marketing of homosexuality to America. Her emotive argument is that she thinks that she doesn't belong, and thereby she's putting it on the rest of society. We are all evil because we don't accept her identifying as a man who's having a period. And no, I don't accept her as a man having a period cuz men don't have periods, just so you know. Men don't have uteruses. Men don't have feminine products that they buy. Okay? There is no men's marketing to tampons, okay? Just so you know.
1: And just to add in here, she's not out in identifying as a man either. Right. This is this supposedly, you know, what seems to her to be safe of this non-binary uh, like you say, no doubt something early on in life that made her uncomfortable as a woman, telling her she doesn't belong, and not feeling quite, um, you know, not being, identifying a man either, you know, trying to find this um, middle ground internally that says, well, I'm not going to be either because I don't belong either place. Right, so she, but,
0: she feels like she doesn't ultimately belong anywhere. Right, but which is, which uh, what is, is that, part.
1: What, yeah, and what is creating for her and insisting in that rather than to figure out why that is, you know, to say that, well, this isn't right, you know, the world needs to make me, you know, find a place. I don't feel like I belong, so the world needs to make a place where I belong. Yeah, right. and... and you know, but that's that's not going to happen, and so yeah, it's, it's very sad that it is sad. Anyway, back to you.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm not attacking her. I'm reading her article and I'm commentating on it, okay? Because hmm. th- this is the reality of the marketing of this stuff. The reality is most people are going to see this, they're going to read it, and they're going to go, they're going to have a normal reaction of anger and irritation when they read it, and sadness or they're going to get hooked into it. They're going to go, "Oh, yeah, you know, we need to advocate, you know, on behalf of this woman and we can't. We can't do that. That's Jesus first of all would never do that. Okay? Anybody who says that Jesus would doesn't know Jesus. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 6 that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father but by me, so Jesus doesn't advocate for this, Jesus doesn't make mistakes, and anybody that says that he does is calling God a liar. And one thing God cannot do is lie, okay? So, anyway, she goes on to say here. Once I have the products that I need, I have to figure out a way to change out my used products with the new ones before I started transitioning. If I couldn't find a gender-neutral toilet, I would just use the women's bathroom during my period because it was safer for me to be in there if my menstrual cup dropped on the ground or someone heard the sound of me opening a tampon or a pad. Not to mention, women's bathrooms have disposable bins and private stalls where you can deal with your menstrual blood without fear of being outed. Okay. And then it says, but now that my appearance has tipped and the scale toward, tipped the scale toward masculine, I found myself ushered out of a lot of women's bathrooms by moms with young daughters as if I'm inherently dangerous or being trans is a disease they could catch from breathing in the same air as me. On the flip side, using the men's restroom means that I have to pray that I'm not already leaking when I walk in there and figure out the best ways to keep myself safe while discreetly tending to my period. Interesting, isn't it? So she originally, you know, is identifying as non-binary, right? Not male or female. But now she's admitting she's gone through the transition period. So what what that means is she's taking hormones.
1: I don't know about that.
0: It does because her appearance has tipped the scale towards masculine. And the only way it would do that is if she's taking hormones.
1: I'm I'm not so sure there because later on not not okay, the fault but later on she talks about binding part of her body so okay. I think that's just something she's doing and it's an outward expression.
0: Well, we'll see. Okay, so dysphoria is also incredibly. Difficult issue for trans menstruators to grapple with, particularly while our bodies are enduring significant physical and hormonal changes that come with our menstrual cycles. My worst experiences with dysphoria have always come during my periods, not because I have to deal with the bleeding, but because my chest swells up significantly, that would be called, you know, that creates your breast tenderness here. Um... Uh, for cisgender women who menstruate, tenderness and swelling of the chest can be uncomfortable but unseen part of having a period, but for trans menstruators, the effects are a bit more complex. Either way, it's all in the mind, okay? As someone with a petite body and a chest that was once measured as a 32C, period swelling makes my chest stick out significantly further away from my body, and that makes it difficult for me to bind that part of my body. Binding is something a lot of trans men and non-binary Binary menstruators do to flatten our chests if we had not had top surgery. Personally, I bind because the sight of my chest pushing out my shirt makes me feel as if the world is seeing someone I'm not. So, in other words, that the world is seeing a woman because she has breasts, and she does. She's in denial about being a woman, so she's trying to hide that. I would say, hey, if you want to hide yourself, you hide your breasts. Wear a big, huge shirt. You can do that. It's way easier. Just wear a big, huge shirt, and that it'd be easier for you. Anyway. Then she says, my breasts feel like incongruous growths that do not belong on my body, like giant skin tags that have nothing to do with who I am, until I can get them removed. The only way to make myself feel more at home in my own body is to press them down, making my chest as flat as possible. To do this, I use what's called a binder, a specially made article of clothing that looks like a much tighter cross between a tank top and a sports bra. The binders I normally wear are too tight to contain my period-swelled chest, so I usually have to revert to a larger size or a sports bra, which means my chest is significantly le- less flattened and I'm more likely to be red as a woman and misgendered. Dealing with periods on their own are hard enough without my own gender being called into question due to the physical side effects of the menstruation experience. This is this is so sad. Now, some people at this point, now listen to this, would just encourage me to get a hysterectomy, as if it's as simple as walking into a doctor's office and just ordering the procedure off a menu. Apparently, it's easier to ask an entire community to undergo major surgery than for other folks to just stop gendering periods and let us menstruate in peace. Nobody is having any problems with her menstruating. So you see the double talk there? Because on the one hand, she is she's thought of this, well, I should just have a hysterectomy that I won't have to bleed. Well, I think it's good, frankly, that the doctors won't just hand out hysterectomies to anybody who wants them. On the other hand, it's very sad that they will, with a lot of psychological counseling first, actually allow a person to mutilate their body and, uh, and do surgeries to, to uh, change the physical body of a person who doesn't identify with the God-given body that God gave them. And that's tragic. And I've interviewed people On this show, a couple of people, actually, um, who have gone through transgender surgery, and I've actually researched this quite a bit. And, you know, the horrifying thing about people who go under the knife to, quote, alter their physical appearance in order to match what's in their head is that it's akin to um, the trauma that a woman, let's say a woman who has breast cancer and has to have a mastectomy, Right. It's akin to that, right? So the woman who goes through a mastectomy because she had cancer and she has to lose her breast, she she grieves the loss of that, and she looks at herself in the mirror, and she doesn't see what she thought was a woman, and she struggles with that picture of who she is, right? Because that's that's a normal part of grieving the loss through surgery of cancer and things like that. If you've ever read transgender individuals' blogs, like I have, and actually looked at some of the drawings of the pictures these transgender individuals put up, and the way that they talk about their depression and anxiety and all the emotional issues that they have, uh, then you would see the emotional torment that they all have. Uh, The honest ones write about it all over the place on the internet. It's not hard to find blogs of people who've done this to themselves, who are struggling, uh, who are on psychotropic medication, who are attempting to deal with the issue. But they've done it wrong, and they refuse to accept what God's made them, ultimately. She goes on to say, other, wonders, other people wonder why I don't start taking testosterone. Okay, so I was wrong. She didn't take it. You were right, bareface. As many trans men and some non-binary people do. But even if anyone who wanted the hormone could magically get it today for free, no questions asked. Testosterone still doesn't guaranteed to completely halt a menstrual cycle. There's simply not enough research on the impact of testosterone. I know, I don't know if I'm saying that right, and whether or not it causes a cessation of cycle depends on what type or brand a person is using, how often a person takes it, and what dosage they are prescribed. Well, I can tell you, um, <laughs> from my experience taking testosterone <laughs> I'll just share my, my personal experience. Uh, I am a middle-aged woman g- going through menopause, okay? Hey, just say so you know, I, I'm in menopause. I admit it, okay? I'm at that age. And my doctor tested my testosterone levels and told me that they were low. So he gave me some stuff to put on to increase, you know, that so I could, whatever. Anyway, bottom line is, I did that, and... It hurt my breast so bad taking that stuff. I was just like, nope, I can't do this. That That is too much for me. So I was like, forget that. I'll just endure the, the normal pain. But anyway, she says here, As a non-binary person, I prefer to maintain a low dose of testosterone when I'm taking it, which generally means my periods are less likely to disappear than if I were on a higher dose. When I was on testosterone, there you go, from October 2017 through March 2018, I got my period almost every single month, and one time I got it twice in four weeks. Not only did the testosterone not stop my periods, the hormone actually made my symptoms worse. Yeah, see, that was my experience. Whereas before, I used to be able to reliably count on my period arriving regularly and lasting for three to four days with a consistently light flow, after two months of being on testosterone, I started experiencing unpredictable periods, heavy cramping, and a relentlessly heavy flow that continued for almost a full seven days, which is why you shouldn't be messing with it in the first place. Had I continued my weekly shots, which I stopped because of issues with my health insurance, my periods may have eventually ceased, but there are still countless stories of folks continuing to experience their periods after being on testosterone for years, especially if they were on a low dose like me. On top of that, not all binary or trans people even want testosterone, but even if they want it, not everyone can access it. And if you scroll down, then you can see this picture. Show it. Yeah. Where I want I want you to see this. This is the marketing, okay? This is the marketing of homosexuality and this agenda to America. Watch, Look at this picture, okay? Periods are not just for women bleeding while trans. So is she non-binary or trans? Because she's speaking out of both sides of her mouth. So on the one hand, she's saying she's non-binary. On the other hand, she's saying she's trans. So what is she? She's a woman. That's what she is. She's not non-binary. She's not trans. She is a woman who's very confused and needs some help. True help. Real help. Not medical help. She needs some actual help to figure out where the root of her issue is. But you see that? Okay. So there's a woman with blood through in her crotch right there, which most women no with. longer
1: up, but I can okay. put it back.
0: Yeah. Which, but most women would be completely humiliated and ashamed of that. Okay. But here they're marketing this and they're trying to get you to feel sad for her because she's so, such an outcast cast and she doesn't belong anywhere. But it's by her choice. Okay? I'm just saying here. Well, Stacy, I can tell that you're so loving and you're such a great Christian. (sighs) There's a song that has a lyric in it that says telling the truth can be dangerous business. It is. We need to be praying for her, right? Because this is her problem. This is her problem. And people who are enabling her, shame on them. Just saying. Just saying. Shame on them for doing that. That's not cool. And that's not loving. If I was her mom, I'd be like, come here, honey. We need to reassess what you're doing here with your life. And we need to, like, help you figure out how you can become comfortable in your own skin. Not deny the God-given gender that you are. Right? Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Mental and emotional healing takes a lot of time. And it takes work. And it takes effort. Because you know what it requires? It, re- it requires what Psalm 51 verse 6 says. Which says, Surely God desires truth in the inward parts. He wants to know us. God desires his people to have truth in the inward parts, in our inner being. Why do you think that is? Because he loves us. God loves us. Right? And you know what? I just have to say here that, that, um, that the church has done a disservice by not loving people good. Okay? Okay. And, you know, last night, Randall and I, we, I had my guitar out and I was kind of revitalized and singing some songs, worship songs. And, and, um, I, I gave my guitar to Randall. I said, you go ahead and sing some stuff now. Cause I'm all out here. I'm just trying to get the calluses built up on my hand again. Cause I'm kind of thinking about writing some new songs. And, uh, Randall started, um, singing beloved, let us love one another. You know, that old Mother. song. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and knoweth God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love, God is love, beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. Okay, I know it's kind of off a little bit, but you got my point. You know, and then there's another classic song that says, you know, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we'll know something, whatever. Anyway, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. You know, that song. That's I'm really dating myself here. (laughs) I haven't sang that song a long time. Bottom line is, they'll know us by our love, not our confusion. And... Here is another issue, right? The issue is confusion. God does not give us a spirit of confusion, right? If, you, if you're walking in Christ as a believer, just as an example, there is no spirit of confusion with God. In fact, God abhors the confusion that's created in the church, right? But the enemy, the devil, who the world doesn't like to actually admit exists, is the father of lies and the creator of confusion and disunity. And so you can know that if you're walking, you know, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. I would add that perfect love also casts out confusion. So if you're confused about something, you are not engaged with perfect love, right? And who's perfect love? Yeshua himself, right? Jesus is. Jesus came to set the captives free, not to bind them. And unfortunately, in the church today, we have people who are leaders or in, you know, helping so-called people in the church and they're, they're marking them into bondage. And you know what? I hate this because the LGBT lobby has totally infiltrated itself into the church. And, you know, today my friend Stephen Black uh, was sharing with me uh, how now the Gospel Coalition and some other stuff, has put out this thing, and uh, yeah, why don't we go ahead and put that up there around the? How biblically inclusive is your church uh, survey graphic that I gave you? Okay. Okay, because I'm I'm not going to read the rest of this other article. It's almost done, and I think you guys got the point. But think about this, okay? So, the church, if the church, okay, and let me just say this: the church has wolves in it. Okay, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. There are a lot of churches in America, in particular, that have big, fat wolves at the pulpit, and big, fat wolves, yes, man, in your elder board. They're not gospel people. They are wolves. They are seeking whom they are devouring, and they are masquerading as angels of light when they're not. They're anything but biblical. And anybody like me, you know, who will say, you know, like, aka Joel Osteen, okay, Now, bless that little man's heart that Joel Osteen has. But Joel Osteen himself has said he is not a pastor. He is a life coach. I've heard him say it. Now, if you listen to Joel Osteen, does he make you feel good? Oh, sure he does. He says all the nice fluffy stuff, but he will never talk about this issue. I can guarantee you that. And he'll never do it with the biblical uh, backing behind it because the man doesn't, he doesn't care. So meanwhile, you got a whole bunch of people in Texas sitting at the big mega church who are sucking on poisoned sour milk, not getting fed from the pure word of God, which is where they need to be fed. Because if you're grounded in God's word, then guess what? You know what? You're going to be getting some work. You're going to get some maturity. You're going to grow some. You're going to grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be unashamed of the gospel because you're going to have the boldness that Christ gave us. God gave us the spirit you know, a boldness, not a spirit of fear, but of love and power of a sound sound mind, you know. And so if you're walking and you have that spirit of fear, that's not from God, man, just so you know. God, perfect love casts out all fear. So, so the LGBT lobby is so deceptive and so evil. I'm just going to call it that, and I know some people aren't going to agree with me on this at all, but sorry, I don't serve you. I serve Jesus. He's my God. They have actually introduced this new thing called How Biblically Inclusive Is Your Church? Biblically inclusive. Now, first of all, let me say this. Jesus said one thing. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So if this isn't Yeshua certified, Jesus sanctified, you know what? They ain't biblical, just so you know, okay? So I'm just going to read this here. Ten statements to help you audit your church family. Number one, your church family meetings include people who could be labeled LGBTQI plus and are same-sex attracted. True or false? Or not sure? The first thing you have to notice here is that it's no longer LGBTQ or LGBT. Now they've added the questioning on there. They've added the intersex on there. And they've added plus on there, which also includes child attracted or minor attracted. Uh, They call themselves formally pedophiles, but minor attracted persons. So they are attracted. That is included in the LGBTQ plus model is pedophiles. Okay, just don't miss it. Because it's so deceptive here, but that's exactly what they're doing. So is your church family meetings include people who could be labeled this way? Okay, true, false, not sure. Okay, number two, uh, derogatory language or stereotyping attitudes towards sexual minority groups would not be tolerated either up front or in a conversation between church family members. So in other words, if you actually say a transgender individual, this, this woman who wants to be a man is really a woman, and you use the proper pronoun in that church setting, uh, then you would not be considered inclusive because you're being intolerant because you're not using the language that the, the LGBT community wants you to use. Number three, all in your church know that we all experience sexual brokenness and all are being encouraged to confess their own sexual sins. Now, this is interesting. Because you got to think about that one for a minute. Now think about it. I'm going to help you think about that one. First of all, the LGBT community will, number one, tell you that they're not broken sexually, that they're born that way, that science has their back, which is an absolute lie, 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 and that you need to embrace them fully the way that they are, right? There's nothing wrong with them. This is totally natural. So what sexual sins should there be to confess if that's all normal and natural If same-sex attraction is normal and natural, and normal and natural, and we all need to accept it, it's part of the norm, then why does even three on here actually exist in your church that you experience sexual brokenness? What? Are they actually admitting by this article that, by that question, that there is sexual brokenness there? Could it be masquerading, hidden in plain sight, the actual proof that they admit they're sexually broken? Because maybe they've been sexually abused or something like that. Like the research shows an 80% of those who identify in that community, but they don't like to talk about it. Or are they just saying, okay, those of you who are addicted to pornography, you need to confess your thing. Or those of you who masturbate all the time, you need to confess it. Or those of you who use leather toys or whatever, blah, blah. You got to talk about that too. Because I'll tell you what, there was another article I read yesterday that talked about a guy, and I, oh, I gotta find it, but he was talking about how he actually believes that the suicide rate connected to the LGBT lobby and those in that community is a, a result of having two thousand sex partners per person that they actually admit to, right? And the liberal media has has like spiked that, but the LGBT lobby has gone after this guy who frankly won't he actually did not stand down. He actually stood 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 firm to his thing and he said, No, look, it's all tied to all of this. It's proof it's proof of it right here. That the depression, all that goes back to the self loathing, having to do with the compulsive sexual activities of that community. The bathhouses, the you know, the, the The hundreds and thousands of partners that a lot of male homosexuals in particular engage in. That they have creatively removed from the media through the marketing of homosexuality to America. They made the homosexual man look like my husband. A perfectly normal, happy, straight, married man. Instead of taking that deviant behavior from the bathhouse picture that used to be the norm, that's what people would associate with. Because they marketed it. They got you trapped emotionally. Yeah, they did. Anyway, the fourth one says, same-sex uh, sex, same sex sexual relationships are never mentioned in isolation from other sinful patterns of behavior or from the forgiveness offered to all through faith in Christ crucified. Interesting. Never mentioned in isolation,
1: huh?
0: Hmm. Number five. all oh. in, <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. You can comment on that one if you'd like. I'm just trying to move us along a little
1: bit. Sure, I appreciate that. I know we're running out of time, but yeah, you know, it's this uh, same sex, you know, same sex sexual relationships are never mentioned in isolation from other sinful patterns. So to me, they're acknowledging that, um, that it's a sinful pattern. Right. Being in a same sex relationship is, is sinful. When it's good that this acknowledges that.
0: Yeah. Anyway, for sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and and I'll read number five and maybe we'll finish more of this tomorrow. Okay. Number five. And all your church, all in your church are hearing the same call to radical self-sacrifice of themselves in response to God's giving of himself in Jesus. True, false, not sure. Okay. Well, that one's kind of benign. All right. So we'll continue with, with this tomorrow um on, on that. But my point is is that if you're feeling like mad because I'm I'm talking about this and I'm telling you the truth about it, I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt your feelings or anything or upset you. But this is what some in the world are doing and frankly it's leading them to an eternity without the Lord. Right? Now, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted And to heal those who are broken hearted and contrite in spirit. Those who repent. He came to set the captives free. Right? He loves us. And it's our job to, first of all, we got to embrace that truth, people. We have to embrace the truth of who Christ is first. You know, yesterday I was talking about how psychology has infiltrated the church and all this other stuff with the self-help movement and medication and all that other stuff. You know what's really missing in the church is who Christ is, right? I mean, we always talk about who we are in Christ. Okay, yeah, that's not a bad thing. But who is Christ in us? Flip it around. Who is Jesus, man? Jesus in us. Us is the hope of glory. That's what his word says. And I think the Bible talks about how, hello, if Jesus be lifted up, all men would be drawn unto him, right? If we're not lifting up Christ as the answer and solution to the problem, then we're going to have nothing but chaos in the world, right? So we have to lift up Jesus because he is the answer. But you know what? People don't want to lift him up because first of all, they don't know him. They know, they know, they think they know him. You know, because they're, they hear this little, this, this, and this. But they really don't know him. The God that, that's in scripture throughout the whole Bible is a holy God, first of all. God would never, in a million, gazillion, trillion years, a holy God would never bless something he calls an abomination, first of all. And you need to know that, right? Jesus is holy, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit—the Trinity of God—is holy, and He does not bless stuff that isn't holy. Right? He calls it an abomination. God doesn't lie, so who are we going to believe, man? Are we going to believe God, or are we going to believe the Father of lies? I hope we're going to believe God because He doesn't lie. Oh, well, Stacy, how dare you say that? Well, yeah, that's what I said. What are you going to do about it? I mean, you could shut me off if you want. But the truth is, that's the truth. God is holy, man. And you know what? There was a time when there was reverence in the church for God. There was a fear of God. There, w- there was actually, you know, some uh, passion for the lost people of the world. Right? You want to save the culture? You want to engage in a culture war? Hit, your, hit the floor on your knees. Weep tears. Do what Nehemiah did. You know, I've been studying Nehemiah a little bit. Nehemiah is an awesome guy. Okay? First of all, he was a cupbearer to the king. Okay, This guy had a lot of influence. And the walls in Jerusalem were broken for over 150 years before God laid on his heart uh, through the messengers that came to him to find out what the exiled Jews were doing. Right? They, they were basically persecuted. The Jews were exiled. And when um, Nehemiah got the report that, that the exiles were struggling and they were dis- in despair and outcast all this other stuff, you know what Nehemiah did? First of all, first of all, he actually wanted to know how they were doing, which says a lot because most people are so um, introspective they don't care. But then the second thing is he fasted and he prayed. And the commentators that I read uh, about this they were talking about how that was like a four month period where. Nehemiah went before the Lord. He confessed the sins of himself, his father's house, as well as the whole nation of Israel. And he said, we were not following your law. We weren't, you know, talking to you as you're the holy God. We weren't obeying your statutes. That's not what we're doing. And then God equipped him. And do you know that that wall that was down for 150 years that people tried to rebuild and they never did? Do you know that that wall that was built around Jerusalem that Nehemiah was commissioned by the Lord to fix, was built in 52 days after it was being, uh, un, you know, saturated in prayer and all that. 52 days! 52 days it took to build that. And the reason this is important, and I know I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, and frankly I'm going to go over just a few minutes if you don't mind. The reason this is important is because in those times... When a country did not have a wall around it, right, and they were not a fortified nation, that meant that they were open to the attacks of the enemy and that they could be pillaged and pummeled and, and hurt, right? And as I was studying this and, and everything, I was thinking about it, what God showed me was this is how we are as people too, right? Right? If we don't have solid boundaries around who we are as people, if we don't have solid boundaries around our heart, our emotions, you know, in our mind, if we don't set boundaries around ourselves so that we're protected and, and hidden in Christ, like God's word says, then the enemy has access to all that. And, and we're easily pummeled, discouraged, we're knocked down, right? And so the encouragement that I got was, look, we have to... You know, we have to strap up. We gotta pray up. You know, people always talk about it. Oh yeah, I'll pray for you. No, you don't. Most people don't. You gotta pray, people. You gotta pray. You have to repent. You have to hit your knees, okay? You have to seriously repent. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Cause you know what? One day we're all gonna we're gonna we're gonna bow. Right? The Bible says that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's his word, not mine. And you know what? There's going to be some fear and trembling in that day. And there's going to be people, you're going to see people probably, and they're going to go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that guy was a false teacher because he masqueraded as the angel of light. Don't be deceived. In fact, the word of God talks constantly about do not be deceived, people. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked, and neither is his word. And and, and frankly, it's about time the men of God out there get off your butt and start preaching this, and start preaching that vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, but also it's time to repent and remember that God is holy. Take your feet off. Take those sandals off because you're on holy ground. Wherever you're at, if God has called you, that's the mission field. You know the devil. I'm I'm not kidding you. He is killing people. Yesterday we talked about that 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 Momo suicide challenge. You know I mean what how, what does it take? You got pastors killing themselves. That's a great witness for the church, don't you think? And we can we can couple it and say, oh, it's all about mental illness. But you know what? I think it's a spiritual problem above all else, because we've lost who God is in all of it. And the problem is, where are the men with chests that can stand up who have the full armor of God on that when the fiery darts of the enemy comes at you, you're going to stand because you have his word hidden in your heart and you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ which sets you free. Just so you know. Yeah, I'm about to cry here because it's tragic and, and there's no reason for it. There's zero reason for it, except apathy. And God called me to nudge you. And I'm going to tell you something. Do you think this is easy for me? It's not. I've been undone over this past week, emotionally wrecked because of the hurt that I got in the church, but also seeing what God has done. And we got to get people free people. You know, the answer is more than, you know, you are, you're enough, but Jesus in you is enough, right? The name of Jesus has to be lifted up in our culture. Jesus is the one that went to the cross for your sin and my sin so that we could be free, people. May we never take that lightly. And I can tell you this from the bottom of my heart, I know how Christ changed me. And if he can change me when I was a little kid and get me to stand up to the evil in my family and the guy that messed with me sexually and bring down a whole family generational curse that was passed down to me through my line and he could set that free in my life, he can do it for you. It's not your drug. It's not your family It's not that relationship or that dumb TV show that you're hooked to that's going to set you free. It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth who died on the cross who's going to set you free. You need to humble yourself and repent. As Jesus said, his very first words in the Gospels were, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know what, people? He is coming back again, and you better be ready. You better be ready better be ready because you're going to give an account and if you're a leader you better get ready because you're going to be under a stricter judgment I mean that I mean it in love but that's his word right that's his that's his word so you gotta do something with it don't ignore it because you know what unfortunately you're going to die someday probably (sighs) and you don't know when (laughs) which is why you need to get a will made (laughs) and get your advance directive in order. Just, you know, just saying. So I, um, you know, I know I've gone over, but you know what? Sometimes I just have to because somebody's got to hear it and somebody's got to move. You know what I mean? We have a great sponsor to the show, Ariel Ministries. You guys got to support them. Uh, go to BibleNewsRadio.com, check our resources page, use the coupon code BibleNews, save 20% on anything in the store, if you don't mind. Support them because they actually support us. And if you can support us become a pillar of the community, please give us $25 or more a month if you can't afford to do that. Please do so. We need the money. It's just Randall and I. I work a whole bunch of other jobs in order to earn money. But this is God's call in my life, and if you're being blessed by what we do, please bless us in return by providing some income for us. If you want to help us go to the Prophecy Watchers Conference, you know, we need to go ahead and um, still raise about $1,300 for that so we can go there and bring back to you the, the experts there that are going to be talking about that. Please consider supporting that. Send us a donation to help with that. And if you are not a Legal Shield member yet or identity theft protection yet, uh, and you want to support our show, let me just tell you this. If you want to support your show, if you want to support our show, but you don't want to become a pillar of the community, let me tell you the best way you can do it. Become a member of ID Shield, protect your identity. It's $9.95 a month. You sign up with me, that helps us out. You get protected, and trust me, you're, you're going to want to be. I have like three stories here I was going to read about the, the latest things I just got today. I picked out the highlights on identity theft protection. Um, you know, and get yourself protected. Go to bit.ly forward slash protect me, all caps, or just message me. I can sign you up. I can tell you more. All right, and and I'll, obviously I'd like you to become a member of Legal Shield too because the benefits there are, are amazing. Um, and you need it, especially if you're in business for yourself too. You need legal shield if you're a pastor of a church, you need legal shield. if you're an independent person, you need it. you're a human being you sh- you need to get legal shield and um you know I want you to to be a part of my team if you want to earn some money. I was just telling somebody this morning I've earned a thousand dollars in the last three months because of legal shield because of the work that I've done with legal shield and you know a lot of that was the bonus money I earned because I was able to show people this opportunity. And so if you need some extra money and you're willing to do some work and you got $99 to make this investment, then join my team and we will make sure that you get trained properly. You'll get the support that you need and you will be, you'll be you you'll be making some money. You'll make your money back. Now, I'm not making enough yet to self-support Bible News Radio. Not yet. <laughs> I'd still like to make $8,000 a month. I'm about $7,000 short there. Uh, but it's a start. You know, so the benefits are amazing if you become a Legal Shield member. Uh, you can also get all the perks and save a lot of money on that. I've already saved over $400 on perks, which is actually paid for my membership. So join my team if you can. Uh, do it this month. That would be awesome because the month is almost over. I'd love for you to join me this month if you're interested. Uh, and if you want more info, just contact me or Randall and we'll get in touch with you and set up a, a time. All right. But the main thing is the main thing. Pray for those who are lost. And repent for your own sin. And put Christ first. And he will bless you. And don't get sucked into the mind games of the world. You know, pray for those like this lady, this young woman, who's confused by who she is. And the enemy is using to propagate a lie. Okay? I mean, it's that simple. Um. I will uh, pick up more of this tomorrow because just because of time. Um, but um, you know, if any of you have questions or comments, Randall, you have any final thoughts, that would be good. Let, no. us, let us know.
1: That's okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Let me just see here if there's any comments worth talking about here. Maybe I had some sex bots in here. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. A couple of people who are interested in oral sex in the chat room. That's pretty standard. Um, okay alright so you guys thank you for tuning in please share it out I appreciate you supporting the show in any way that you can Uh, keep me in prayer if you don't mind because trust me the enemy don't like me very much right now (laughs) and uh, we'll see you tomorrow Okay? be bold stand up go with God because he loves you he really does so we'll see you tomorrow